Greetings and welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Frances Harry. I am so excited to present to you Lynn Beat and her presentation on Living Our Carmelite Vocation Through the Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary. She has some fresh new ideas for every Carmelite who prays the Rosary, especially she demonstrates through the Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary how it relates to um, our mission and our union and our prayer. She uh, gives some great examples. She refers to St. Teresa of Avila, um, also to uh, some of Bishop Robert Barron's YouTube videos on the rosary. And it is so applicable and uh, it gets you thinking in a new way about uh, how you're praying the mysteries of the rosary. So I'm just tickled to death that you have this opportunity to hear her presentation. I hope you will be rejuvenated in spirit and in prayer as I was. So my talk is titled, Living Our Carmelite Vocation Through the Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary. And when I chose this topic a couple months ago, I didn't realize that it'd be presenting it on the third Sunday of Advent, which of course is Gaudete Sunday. And the word Gaudete is derived from the Latin word that means joy. So how perfect is that? But I'm talking about the joyful mysteries today. And I also didn't realize how difficult it would be for me to prepare this talk. And first of all, I know that I'm preaching to the choir here because I know that all of you meditate on these rosaries, like these mysteries like a hundred times a year, right? <laughs> and Second, there's so much that I could say because I meditate on them too, that I felt like it was difficult to pare it down to just a short talk. And third, lately I've just felt a lot like St. Teresa of Avila when she was beginning to write The Interior Castle. And she said, it doesn't seem the Lord is giving me either the spirit or desire to undertake the work. But what she found was that her obedience in doing the task gave her the strength to do it. So I decided to dive right in and give it a shot. Um, and I want to explain, first of all, that one of the reasons I chose this was the joyful mysteries have a personal significance for me. A few years ago, my family and I, I think it was about the time that Tim was um, trying to figure out what his name, his devotional name in Carmel would be. And we realized that each one of us in the family, our immediate family, me and Tim and um, our kids, that we each had a joyful mystery. And for example, my devotional name in Carmel is Maria Teresa of the Annunciation. And then when my um, oldest daughter received the Dominican habit several years ago, she was named Sister, Sister Maria Benedicta, and her feast day is the Feast of the Visitation. And so when Tim was choosing his, he chose the name Lawrence Solanus of the Child Jesus. So he gets the finding of the Child Jesus. And I don't want to digress too much, but trust me, we've got the other ones covered. And it's kind of a long story, so I'm not going to go into the other ones. But we, we've got them covered. Okay. So St. Teresa of Avila tells us in, her, in the book of her life that she was devoted from the, to the rosary from a young age. The rosary, by most people's um, ideas, would be considered vocal prayer. So vocal prayer, we know, is prayers um, where we're given the set words to say. But what St. Teresa tells us in chapter 22 of The Way of Perfection is, if while speaking, I thoroughly understand 
and I know that I am speaking with God, and I have a greater awareness of this than I do of the words I'm saying. Mental and vocal prayer are joined. So the first way to live our Carmelite vocation through the joyful mysteries is that when we're praying them, we have full understanding that we are speaking to God and to focus more on God than on the words we're saying. And this is how all prayer should be, according to St. Teresa. She tells us often that we're never supposed to just rattle off a bunch of words without understanding. So when I pray the rosary, I find it extremely helpful to either read or listen to meditations for each mystery. And um, I'll actually, I didn't bear with me. Um, one of my favorite meditations um, that I like at the moment are the YouTube videos that Bishop Robin Barron makes. And these are beautiful videos, and they feature paintings of the mysteries, so you can be looking at that while you reflect on it. And also, he gives a little meditation before each one, and he has a way of looking at them that's just a little different than what we usually focus on. So I'll be paraphrasing, paraphrasing or quoting from a lot of his meditations throughout this talk, so you'll get an idea of what they're like. So the second way that we can live our Carmelite vocation through the mysteries is to keep in mind one of our missions as Carmelites, to know God so that he may be known. We can come to know God through reading the Bible, by meditating on the life of Christ, and through mental prayer. And praying the rosary can combine all three of these. Before you pray the joyful mysteries, you might read through the first two, or from the first two chapters of St. Luke's Gospel, and all five mysteries can be found in those two chapters. I enjoy reading Bibles that include commentary, I love commentary, and can give me a greater understanding or a different way of looking at the scripture passages. For example, when we're praying the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation, we often focus on Mary's humility or her yes to God, as well we should. Now Bishop Barron's reflection on the Annunciation starts with Mary, but then he goes in a completely different direction and he focuses on how the angel Gabriel proclaims that this child will be the fulfillment of the promise made to King David. And this means that the child is the king of the world and a king for all time and for all nations. We are therefore invited in this mystery to allow Jesus to be king and Lord over our whole lives and every aspect of our lives. And he actually, just as a side, he had um, a homily, you can find it on YouTube also, on the Feast of Christ the King, about Jesus being king in your life. He really was on fire, so it's a, it's a good homily. Um, and this is also, of course, St. Teresa of Avila was always referring to Christ as her king or her, you know, your majesty, or um, it's, it's a very Carmelite idea. In the second joyful mystery, the visitation, we often meditate on Mary's charity in visiting her cousin Elizabeth. Well, Bishop Barron instead focuses on Mary's haste to go visit her cousin. And he attributes this haste to the fact that Mary has found her mission, and that's her role in what he calls the theodrama. And that's the great story that's being told and directed by God. And he contrasts that to the ego drama that we like to star in and direct ourselves. So, but she's in the theodrama. And so in this mystery, we're called to discover our role in the theodrama and what our mission is. So when we meditate on the joyful mysteries, we can also come to know God by seeing how Christ comes to us in these mysteries. 
Jesus coming to us is pretty obvious in most of them. Like in the Annunciation and the birth of Christ, we can see Jesus coming to us. But um, St. Peter Julian Aymard, and he's, uh, he was a French Catholic priest in the 19th century, and he um, was a contemporary with St. John Vianney. He tells us how Jesus comes to us in the visitation. And I quote, the word was in Mary's womb. He inspired his mother to visit Elizabeth. Mary carried to John, his master and king. John could not come, for his mother was too old to undertake that journey. Jesus Christ went to him. He did the same for us. We could not go to God. God came to us." End quote. Of course, we also come to know God through our mental prayer. In St. Luke's Gospel, after the shepherds visit the newborn king, we are told that Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Mary again treasured all these things in her heart after finding the child Jesus in the temple. And Mary, of course, is the perfect model for our mental prayer. So if the Carmelite mission is to know God so that he may be known, how may, might God be known through us? Perhaps it's through teaching our children about the faith or helping with RCIA or spiritual direction of others or through programs like Carmelite Conversations or simply by our prayerful witness throughout our days and our lives. In the fifth joyful mystery, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, we can focus not only on our own mission, but also on the mission of those around us. Bishop Barron invites us to think about how Mary had to let her son go so that he could find his vocation. He says that even the most powerful family bonds must give way to mission, and that we must focus on God's call for one another. And that's something that I really hadn't thought about so much within your family is how much you should focus on, on um, each other's mission and how you can um, be a part of that or advance that. So a third way to live our Carmelite vocation through the joyful mysteries is to unite our wills to the will of God. And we see this union with God's will throughout the joyful mysteries. We can see it in Mary's fiat, let it be done with me according to your word. We see it in Jesus' humble birth in Bethlehem, in Mary and Jesus, Joseph presenting Jesus in the temple, and later when they find Jesus in his father's house. The rosary is a meditation on the life of Mary, and Mary's life is a meditation on uniting her will to that of the Father. One of our Carmelite friars, Father Eugene Sullivan, writes about St. John of the Cross, and I quote, Mary is a living embodiment of all that St. John of the Cross has come to know and experience about union with God. While prayer and devotion to Mary are the two distinctive characteristics of Carmelite life, in John's case, these two characteristics merge into one. For him, Carmelite life is not a life of prayer and devotion to Mary, but rather a prolongation, a continuation of Mary's own life of prayer." End quote. So if we want to continue in Mary's own life of prayer, praying the rosary, and particularly the joyful mysteries, is a great way to do that. In chapter 32 of The Way of Perfection, St. Teresa of Jesus writes, Look, daughters, his will must be done whether we like this or not. So she goes on to explain that we might as well freely give our wills to God, and then we'll be making a virtue out of necessity. So how do we do this? One way is to look at the fourth joyful mystery, the presentation in the temple. 
Bishop Barron tells us that the temple was literally the dwelling place of the Lord, where divinity and humanity embraced, and where the human race was brought back to God. To quote Bishop Barron, there is more to the presentation story than the return of the Lord to his temple. The Son of God, having taken, him, taken to himself a human nature, is presented to the Father as a sacrifice, and thereby the human race is set right. End quote. We can participate in this reconciliation with God through the sacraments, and particularly through frequent mass and confession. On a daily basis, we can make an examination of conscience, and we can pray our night prayer. Of course, the gospel canticle in night prayer is the canticle of Simeon, and that comes from St. Luke's story of the presentation in the temple. Okay, we can also accept what God gives us each day without hesitation, and this takes some work. A group of us were talking about this during last month's meeting, and I'm par paraphrasing Mark Danis here. He said something like, I can be going about very well in my prayer life, and then God throws all sorts of obstacles at, it, at me. And of course, those obstacles are God's will for us at the moment. I find it helpful to repeat many times during the day something like, thy will be done, or Jesus, I trust in you. The past several months, I've been praying the surrender novena, and that's associated with a 20th century Italian priest named Father Dolinda Ruotolo, and he's a candidate for beatification, and he was associated with um, St. Padre Pio. I know from talking with a lot of you over the last couple months that you've been praying this novena as well and finding it to be tremendously helpful. Um, if you're not familiar with it, the novena only takes a couple minutes every day to pray. It has a little short reflection, and then you repeat 10 times, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And I find myself repeating this phrase throughout the day, or any time I'm feeling anxious about what's going on, you can just repeat it over and over until that anxiety is gone. Or maybe it never goes, but <laughs> until you forget about it for the moment. Of course, throughout the day, we can also pray Mary's words from the first joyful mystery. Let it be done with me according to your word. These words reflect a radical acceptance of God's will in our lives, as do all the joyful mysteries. These mysteries also show us over and over the evangelical counsels that we promise as secular Carmelites, chastity, poverty, and obedience. And these are virtues that the world we live in doesn't value. I'm going to end by reading a meditation on the Nativity, and this is taken from Pope Benedict XVI's book, Jesus of Nazareth, The Infancy Narratives, and it reflects the countercultural way of life that we undertake. There was no place for them at the inn. Prayerful reflection over these words has highlighted an inner parallel between this saying and the profoundly moving verse from St. John's prologue. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. And that's from John chapter 1, verse 11. For the Savior of the world, for him in whom all things were created, there was no room. He who was crucified outside the city also came into the world outside the city. This should cause us to reflect. It points toward the reversal of values found in the figure of Jesus Christ in his message. From the moment of his birth, he belongs outside the realm of what is important 
and powerful in worldly terms. Yet it is this unimportant and powerless child that proves to be the truly powerful one, the one on whom ultimately everything depends. So one aspect of becoming a Christian is having to leave behind what everyone else thinks and wants, the prevailing standards, in order to enter the light of the truth of our being, and aided by that light, to find the right path. Thank you.